0: Welcome to the Wise Crone Cottage Podcast with storyteller Kathy Schimpach. Here we'll meet the crone and uncover her wisdom as found in fairy tales, folk tales, and myths. For it is true that stories, as it is with many people, become better as they grow older. Know that no matter how difficult your journey has been through the magical forest, the wise crone always opens her door to you.
1: In this episode, we'll be discussing the story of the witch Orthu, otherwise known as the Very Black Witch. This story is found within the tale, How Cúlhulc, One Owen. We'll be looking at two different versions of this story, one from the traditional Welsh version of the Mabinagion, a medieval literary text, and the second will be from a version that I created myself.
0: A great while ago, when the world was full of wonders.
1: The tale of the very Black Witch is a story within a story. The story itself is found within the medieval tale of how Kilhook won Owen, a part of the Welsh Mabinagion, in Cool Whip, King Arthur agrees to help his cousin complete a series of seemingly impossible tasks to win the hand of Olwen. Arthur's knights are managing quite nicely until a question is asked and the story takes another detour. Arthur says, Is there any one of the marvels yet unobtained? The answer comes, There is the blood of the witch orthw that is the word for black in Welsh. The focus is now on Arthur's battle with the very black witch in an effort to obtain her blood. Here is the story as first translated by Lady Charlotte Guest in 1894, which is now in the public domain. I have modified the text a bit in some places. Said Arthur, is there any one of the marvels yet unobtained? said one of his men there is the blood of the witch orthu the daughter of the witch Orwen of pinnat Govit, on the confines of hell arthur set forth toward the north and came to the place which was the witch's cave and Gwyn abnuf and gwither the son of gredal counseled him to send two brothers in to fight with the witch and as they entered the cave the witch seized upon them and she caught one by the hair of his head and threw him on the floor beneath her and the other caught her by the hair on her head and dragged her to the earth away from his brother but she turned again upon them both and drove them both out with kicks and with cuffs and arthur was wroth at seeing his two attendants almost slain and he sought to enter the cave but gwen and Guither said to him it would not be fitting or seemingly for us to see these squabbling with a hag let hiram Reu and Hiridil go to the cave so they went but if great was the trouble of the first two that went much greater was that of these two And heaven knows that not one of the four could move from the spot until they placed them all upon arthur's mare. And then Arthur rushed to the door of the cave, and at the door he struck at the witch with carwenan his dagger, and clove her in twain so that she fell into parts. And Kaw of the North Briton took the blood of the witch and kept it. Women in medieval Welsh literature are not warriors. They do not engage in battle or fighting. Instead, they passively await their knight's return, or cry in a survivor's lament. In the Mabinagion, however, witches prove to be the exception. The witches in these stories are strong and skilled in fighting. They instill fear in men. In How Kylwuk won Owen, the very black witch is identified with her mother, the very white witch. As in many folk tales, she lacks definition. Whether she's beautiful or hideous is unknown. The only important trait is her strength and fighting ability. Fiona Winward contends, Within the patriarchal society, strength is regarded as a negative trait in a woman, since it necessarily threatens gender definitions. The very black witch lives alone in an isolated region, described as the head of the valley of grief in the uplands of hell. Arthur was seeking a wonder not yet attained. One of his men suggests acquiring the blood of a very black witch. It is unknown why she was hunted, what harm she caused, or whether her blood contains magical properties. There was a belief in the Middle Ages that it was impossible to draw blood from a witch. Doing so, therefore, might be considered a marvel or a wonder. Surprisingly, the knights find the location easily. Arthur sends two men into her cave to fight her. As soon as they enter, the witch grabs one by the hair and throws him to the ground. When the other man attacks her, the witch retaliates. She thrashes them both, disarms them, and sends them out shrieking and shouting. Arthur agrees to send more men into the battle. These men received an even greater beating. All in total, the very black witch fought and defeated four of Arthur's men. Although she does not kill them, their injuries are substantial. The very black witch's strength is unlikely, her barbaric way of fighting more humorous than skilled. Arthur ultimately defeats her, but not by engaging her. He throws his knife from the entrance, cleaves her head in two, and gathers her blood. Angela Robinson claims the very black witch is the perfect example of the other. She lives alone, living near the border of the world and hell. She resists initial attacks, but is defeated by a superior male, and she is then turned into a commodity. Her attachment only to her mother also indicates that she is outside of the society created by Arthur. As the other, she is an exception. The qualities of strength and fighting ability make her an unlikely female character. While the story of Kilhook and Olwen is a literary tale, it, like most of the Mabinogion, is influenced heavily by folklore. Nevertheless, the tale of the very black witch feels as if a common folk tale had been dropped into a literary story. Perhaps a medieval audience of the story, which had it read to them more often than they read it themselves, knew more about the very black witch than the modern reader does.
0: But now, a story. Not in my time, not in your time, but in the wise crone's time.
1: And so, if I were to craft a variant of this story, one that might fill in some of those blanks, and yet still reference the genre, the story might go something like this. Arthur and his knights continued to find the items the old giant requested. As Kilhuk said, It was easy for me to get that, though you may think it's not easy. That was especially true, since Kilhuk ne'er did anything at all. How he became the hero of this tale, this teller doesn't know. Arthur said, Is there anything else left undone, any wonder to seek, any marvel to find? Yes, Arthur was the reply. There is one wonder remaining. We must acquire the blood of the very black witch. They traveled to the north. Together they all made haste, and soon found themselves before a cave in the valley of grief in the uplands of hell. As you might imagine, this was not a place in which anyone would wish to linger. Soon the knights began to argue among themselves. What was the best way to get the very black witch's blood? Do they simply wait until she leaves the cave? Should someone go in to talk to her? Should they storm the cave to defeat her? Arthur thought Merlin had warned him about this witch, but he couldn't remember any specifics— that's why it was decided that Arthur's two attendants, who were brothers, would first enter the cave. They would ask the very black witch for a cup of her blood. If she agreed, they would leave her undisturbed. It was safer that way. The old witch was waiting inside for the young men. When they asked for her blood, she said, If you can answer my question, I will give you my blood. If you can't, I will give you a thrashing. The brothers looked at each other and laughed. "'This old woman could be defeated by a child,' they thought. She smiled and said, "'What crawls on the earth lies in the air and swims in the sea. You must know the answer. It's the stuff of your master's dreams.' The eldest brother stepped forward and spoke confidently. "'A goose!' he said. The very black witch gave no reply. Instead, she caught him by his hair and threw him on the ground. A fight then ensued, with clothes, hair, and skin flying. After a bit, the two were tossed from the cave. Dazed and bleeding, they said nothing to Arthur about what had happened inside. Arthur was angry. He was determined to go into the cave himself, but his advisers convinced him it wasn't a fitting activity for a king. This time he sent two knights inside. The old witch was waiting for them when they entered. When the knights asked for her blood, she said, If you can answer my question, I will give you my blood. If you can't. "'I will give you a thrashing.' "'The knights looked at each other and laughed. "'This crone is so frail. "'She could be tossed by the wind,' they thought. "'She smiled and said, "'What crawls on the earth flies in the air "'and swims in the sea. "'You must know the answer. "'It's the stuff of your master's dreams.' "'One knight stepped forward and spoke confidently. "'A swan!' he said. "'The very black crone screeched and attacked the pair.' An even greater battle left the two knights bloodied and injured. She threw them out of the cave as if they were sacks of flour. Arthur found his two attendants and two knights sitting at the entrance to the cave, sad and defeated. Unable to move, they were hoisted onto Arthur's mare. Arthur looked aghast at the men strapped to the mare. How could this happen, he thought. I don't care what Merlin said. I'm getting that witch's blood. In anger, he ran to the cave pulled out his dagger and threw it inside. All was silent for a long time. When he thought it was safe, Arthur sent an attendant in to gather her blood. He found that Arthur's dagger had cleaved her body into two parts. She was lying bleeding on the ground. The attendant filled a cup with her blood. But before he could even retrieve the dagger, the very black witch disappeared. In her place was a white raven, glittering and shining brightly in the darkness. The bird flew quickly out of the cave and landed at Arthur's feet. Caw! the bird squawked. The end is near, it said before flying away. Arthur asked his knights, What did that old hag ask you in the cave? It was a silly riddle with no answer, one replied. Tell me, Arthur employed. What crawls on the earth, flies in the air, and swims in the sea? You must know the answer. to the stuff of your master's dreams. Another one responded. Arthur stopped his horse. He held his head in his hands, and a tear fell from one eye. I've been having dreams, he said, of snakes and dragons and all manner of water beast. But how did she know? He pondered and thought until sunset. Everyone waited quietly for him to resume the journey. Ah, now I recall what Merlin told me about the very black witch, was all he said. Even though many asked, he would say nothing more. He only looked at them sadly and pointed to the white crow flying home to Nimue.
0: You may be wondering how I know these old stories, but that is a story for another day. The moral of the story is...
1: What can we learn from the very black witch? The witchy crone is the other. She lives outside of normal society, in a cave perhaps a cottage in the woods, or maybe next door. She does not meet societal norms. That is why she is the other. The witchy crone does not behave as women ought and does not appear as women should. She is not fair and beautiful, dressed in golden silken frocks. She does not have tournaments held in her honor, nor knights jousting for her hand. Neither does she wait patiently for the hero to save her, this is no damsel in distress. The witchy crone does not act as the maiden, for the maiden believes in the status quo. In the story of the very black witch, we see her living her life autonomously. She has her own place to call home and is free to act. She does not need to seek permission from her father, husband, or son. She does not wait for her place at the table. She is no lady, nor does she wish to be one. She is beyond the role of mother, for her caregiving has expanded to the world. Contemporary women of age often feel invisible. It is a world in which they may no longer have a voice. While this perception is a valid one, it is certainly not destined. The very black witch is only a rumor and almost invisible until the knights find her. Once they do so, she is seen clearly and is a force to reckon with. In my telling, we see her more fully as both clever and crafty. She is easily able to defeat Arthur's men. The very black witch is strong and skilled in fighting. She is the crone. If anything, the very black witch shows us that the crone has more power than is acknowledged by youth and the overculture. When you intrude too much into her sphere, when you disrespect her too much, beware. She will fight for her survival and the survival of what is important to her very existence, whether it be for the children of the world or the very earth itself. The crone is the grandmother, the daughter of Mother Earth. Arthur kills a very black witch in the Mabinagion, but in my telling, she is transformed. I must admit that I like my version better. In the patriarchy of Arthur's world, she is destined to die. In the world of the Crone, she has merely fulfilled her purpose as the Black Witch and shape-shifts her body into that of the White Crow. It is the Crow that symbolizes her gift of prophecy. In that form, she foretells Arthur's future. And it is a role to which many older women are now drawn years of reflection, experience, and education transforms the maiden into the mother and finally to the crone. What can we learn from the very black witch? Perhaps it is to surprise others with ferociousness, fight for what is important and close to the heart, share wisdom and speak truth bravely, be willing to do something unexpected The very black witch is clearly the other. She lives a life outside of social roles. Yet it is only as the crone that she can be set free. She reminds all women, whether maiden, mother, or crone, that we too can step outside these roles and be more.
0: The wise crone knows it's time for you to leave. Your journey home takes you back through the forest. It may at times be difficult, but no fear. Her final words to you are, Remember to stay on the path. Do not leave the path no matter what you see or experience. And so it was, and so it is. Thank you for listening. We'll meet again the fourth Sunday of each month. This podcast has been sponsored by Heart Symbol Publishing, where you'll find a wide variety of guided imagery downloads to achieve your goals and enhance your life. This is the storyteller, Kathy
1: Schimpak. This podcast is narrated by Linda Bennett. Music is The Snow Queen by Kevin MacLeod at Incompetent.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License. Stories by the brother Grimm are in the public domain.